1: Tonight's story is from the incredible mind of our good friend Rico, an exclusive to the DMT channel. Of course, as ever, please do let us know what you thought down below in the comments box. Please do like and share. It really does help build the channel and our community further. And why not hashtag Team Fear and DMT's Crew. And so, with that aside, let's get into tonight's story. Entitled Crypto College Let's get straight into that Prologue Youth is wasted upon the young Wisdom is not Part 1 The Video It was a slow Saturday Chuck and I had decided to spend the day going over reports for the newly formed Joint Task Force, Chimera or JTC After the Oak Ridge virus incident, even the United Nations agreed that a specialized group was needed to answer the emergent cryptid threat. Interpol, the European Union, and the CIA had formed us. Hell, even Saudi Arabia had signed on. Technically, I now worked for the CIA. I wasn't too thrilled about that. Chuck and Tim, on the other hand, were still on the US Army payroll, but detailed as JTC. Kimi was now five months pregnant, and on assignment in London helping Interpol deal with the influx of Mideastern terrorists, of which a couple were reported to be Jim. Chuck had been promoted to Sergeant Major, and Tim was now Sergeant Major also, and on his last mission before retirement. He was in East Texas, on a mop-up assignment in the deep woods and swamps, and trying to locate any remaining sick cryptids. Chuck and I had been left at Fort Campbell, as part of a six-man team on call in case of any emergencies. We were also spread pretty thin with a Nighthawk helicopter cruise deployed between Texas and Oklahoma. And by the way, I am now Major Harrison Tate. My phone rang and it was Akimi. She asked me to open an email that she'd sent. It was an online video from some college kid claiming to be a cryptid investigator. Akimi said that I should get Chuck to watch it with me. He was across the hall and I hollered at him to come and join me. And the video started like this. Hello Truth Seekers, this is Chip Wilson for the Cryptic College, and tonight we are streaming live from two rafts floating down the Cumberland River in an area known for strange sightings of unknown creatures. I am joined by my colleagues and fellow anthropology students, Angela Vasquez, Brad King, Kirk Brackett, Sherry McDonald, and Kieran Deepak. the video skipped about two hours later, and there are sounds now coming from the woods on one side of the river, where Chip begins speaking. Okay guys, we're hearing some grunts and howls and growls and whoops coming from the northwest side of the river. Well, the sounds weren't too loud at this point, but about two minutes after, a loud ka-chunk and splash was heard. That was followed by Chip talking very loud over the girls screaming, and suddenly there was a series of loud plops and splashes. In the background, you could barely make out some growls and howls, and Chip was trying to narrate during the pandemonium, but the boys and girls were screaming. And then you hear Chip say, Oh my god, a rock the size of a bowling ball just hit the raft. The video stops until you see them getting out of the rafts at a public boat ramp with the help of park rangers. Chuck and I looked at each other and asked Akimi why she sent us this. She responded that the Angela Vasquez in this video was the daughter of her oldest cousin, Naomi. She and her husband Carlos couldn't attend the wedding due to being on lockdown from the virus in Jacksonville. Angela had met her boyfriend Chip while they were in high school there, and Chip's dad was stationed there in the Navy at Nas Jacks, but had retired and moved back home to Kentucky. Angela and Chip were going to get married, so she followed him off to college in Kentucky. The story goes, when Chip was just a young boy, his favorite uncle had disappeared while hunting in the land between the lakes, and was never seen again. Only a backpack and his rifle were ever recovered. Chip's dad had tried to get answers about the disappearance of his younger brother and had even searched for him. However, law enforcement officials were very cooperative and park rangers had even escorted him out of the LBL on more than one occasion. Chip had become fascinated with the tales of Sasquatch and Dogmen and was determined to one day find out what happened to his uncle. Angela said that this incident had inspired Chip to study anthropology and cryptozoology. And Chuck responded with, "So." What has this got to do with us? And Akimi directed me to open the other link that she had sent me. Part two, the dare. Let's get straight into that. Well, there was a second video of Chip standing in front of a building on the college campus, but this one was Thursday afternoon. Chip began the recording by saying, And me and my crypto carnage team will go this weekend And obtain video evidence of cryptids in the land between the leaks. You can hear voices in the background heckling And accusing his rafting video of being fake He argued with some kid who accused him of having people on the riverbank to throw rocks Then they accused him of damaging his own raft And Chip angrily responded You just wait, I will show you, I will show you all the next video stream was from Friday evening at 17.30 hours where Chip, Angela, Brad King, Kirk Brackett, and Kieran Deepak had set up camps somewhere in the LBL campgrounds. The McDonald girl had refused to go after floating the river and Chip announced that they will be putting out motion sensors and trail cams and will begin a long hike tomorrow. At 0200 hours, the camera comes on with the kids outside their tents shining spotlights into the woods after motion sensors were triggered. Chip said, well, We have sounds, movement, and possible eyeshine. shine. The next video was at 0700, where the kids having breakfast and preparing for their long trek. So, you want me to go find these kids? I asked Kimi. No, she responded. I want you to take a team and find them. A team? Why? I said. Because they aren't counting when they said they would be, in. And- past park rangers have found campsites torn to pieces in that area. I just got off the phone with Naomi and she is hysterical. Please, go find them. Diane said, okay baby, let me see who I can pull in to help you. I love you and talk soon. Well Chuck, there goes our steak grilling and beer drinking plans, I said. By now it was 1530 hours and we needed to rally a team. Chuck said that Corporal Jones' wife could go into labour At any time now And he wasn't about to send him He called in Sergeant Bill Foster Specialist for Jim Dobson And PFC Without Corporal Jones Who will operate at Comms Net? I said And Chuck responded well, How about Sergeant Martin? And I said Whoa, whoa She hasn't been completely read in Nor has she drilled with us and Tim then ran down her bio Staff Sergeant Tammy Martin 5'9", 145 pounds, jump school at 82nd Airborne, air assault school here at Campbell, and attended crew chief training at Fort Rucker. She was also the only female member of the Kentucky National Guard Long Range Surveillance Unit and was on the Army 3-Gun Competition Team. She is assigned here as a comms tech to Spec ops. After about five minutes, Chuck enters my office with a buxom Redhead Sergeant Tammy Martin. and Chuck says, Hawk, meet Tammy. It's a pleasure, Major, says Tammy. I've heard so much about you. How did you get the nickname Hawk, sir? Well, during my first deployment, I was the junior operator on a nine-man anti insurgent team for almost two years. The team was called Hawk Team 2. I was Hawk 2 Niner, and the handle stayed with me even after I came back to Fort Campbell to start college. When I received orders to Fort Bennon, a former teammate was there as an instructor due to a serious injury. He called me 2-9 all the time and I guess the handle just stuck. Is it true your wife can hack into anything? Said Tommy. <laughs> no comment, I replied. By now the rest of our team was filling into the room and we shared the videos with them. Sergeant Foster spoke and said. Are these kids out of their fucking minds going into the LBL. They're just kids, said Chuck, and that's the problem. So, Sergeant Martin, just how much do you know about this unit, said Chuck. And Tammy responded, Oh, you mean the Booger Squad? I even heard y'all carry swords on missions. I roger that, I said. We chuckled and I asked her just what exactly did she know and had she ever seen a cryptid. Tammy said that she had grown up rural. I had heard family and friends talk about boogers, but she had never seen one herself. Part 3 Spinning Up Let's get straight into that. It was already 1800 hours, and during briefing, Tammy proved to be quite useful as we were trying to spin up a helicopter and crew for the hop to the LBL. She called a friend in the Kentucky National Guard and had a Huey and crew prepping to pick us up around 2100 hours. We laid it out straight to Tammy and her eyes grew wide as Chuck and I told her about some of the shit we had seen and been tasked for. She pulled out a big bag with a drone and said, Why are we going to need eyes in the dark? She'd also been certified at Fort Benin to operate a combat-filled drone. This thing huh, had night vision, infrared, carbotic listening sensors, and could zoom in on targets up to a mile away. I told Tammy that she had just given us the edge, of not having our own air crews provided. She then said, "Oh, our Huey crew needs the night hours, and they're going to hang with us as long as they possibly can." And Sergeant Foster spoke up and said, "Tammy, you're hired." And she smiled, and we began reviewing maps, doing our comms and weapons check. And Tammy had brought her MP4 and a 556 caliber and a sidearm in 9mm. Chuck quickly told her that we carried 308s, or 458 SOCON rifles and 45 ACP pistols. Spec 4 Dobson was at Armory Tekken so he escorted her to the armory to draw weapons. It was now 19.30 hours and Akimi was calling me. She says she watched more livestream videos from Chip Wilson. One was late afternoon where they had found both humanoid and canine tracks. Another showed them trying to film movements in the tree line. The last one was where they were setting up camp before it got dark, and they were planning a night excursion. She was able to get a GPS fix on his phone and had sent me the coordinates. And she said, "Harry, this is the location where his uncle was camped before he disappeared." I told her we were waiting on a hello, and she was also able to obtain Philip Wilson's cell number for me. And she said, "Hurry, honey, they are in a dangerous area." as she went on to say that a handful of park rangers were out looking but would not do a night search until the local sheriff and SAR teams could be gathered. I told her I loved her and to tell her cousin Naomi that help was on the way. A brief chuck on what I had learned and was about to call Philip Wilson. I died retired Navy Chief Petty Officer Philip Wilson and he answered, Flip here! And I said, Mr. Wilson, I'm Major Harrison Tate from Fort Campbell. My team is waiting on a helicopter to insert us and look for your son and his friends. Now, he thanked me and said he was already on the way there and should arrive within the hour. He went on to tell me that he suspected something was up when he discovered his 12 gauge tactical shotgun and CZ 45 missing from his gun safe. Now, Chip had also taken a bandolier of 12 gauge ammo and a box of 200 grain overpressure flat nose FMJ ammo. He said his son was determined to prove the existence of Bigfoot and Dogman and believed him to be headed for the area where his uncle disappeared 12 years ago. And Wilson said, That was my baby brother, and I've searched that area many times. I've got to get there. He went on to say that a park ranger friend, who was a former marine, was meeting him there. I told him I had the cell phone coordinates, and asked him and the ranger to please wait for us before they pushed too far into the wilderness. He said he would send me the coordinates at the last clearing we could land in, but couldn't guarantee that they would wait. I asked if his son knew how to use the guns, and he responded, Oh yeah, him and that bracket kit, why well, they go shooting a lot. Part 4 Time Passes Let's get straight into them. 20.45 hours, and Tammy gets a call from the Hello Crew. Be on the pad. They are inbound 10 minutes, she said. I texted Mr. Wilson that we were about to depart and should reach his coordinates in 45 minutes. We got airborne and I asked Tammy to monitor any video from Chip Wilson. And she immediately says, Major, look at this. Chip had posted a video at 1720 hours with the sounds of whoops in the distance. That was followed by a long howl that we had all heard before. I motioned Chuck over to watch and he looked at me and then shook his head. We had loaded on an older but... Well-kept Huey, with two old-style dog gunners and straps with M60s. That pilot was a CW-4, Ron Barnes. Co-pilot W-2, Skip Chester. And crew Chief Sergeant, Jim Craig. Dog gunner PFC, Hal Jackson. Are we on a SAR mission or a night hunt? Or both, said Sergeant Craig. And Jack responded by saying, "Ah, first priority is to locate and extract those kids from the area. Uh, we know there are things out there said PFC Jackson. I grew up on the Tennessee side of the river. Chuck nodded and said, Let's just stay focused. Tammy broke in and said, Oh my God, there is another video. This video was from 1742 Hours and showed the kids running from something with Chip speaking while out of breath. He appeared to say, I had a roaring gap within 100 yards of us and trees were crashing. Angela could be heard screaming in the background. Kurt Brackett appeared to be shouting at Kieran Deepak to catch up, while Brad King said. Oh, I got a light on something, and I said. Chuck, we better read the crew in. And he nodded and crawled towards the cockpit, while Tammy briefed everybody else. Another video was posted at 1825 hours. The kids seemed to be against an outcropping of rocks. They were huddled under an overhang with Brad and Kirk on their cell phones, trying to call 911. An iPhone seemed to be on the ground pointing up at an angle, and the video was spotty and poor quality. Angela was holding bear spray and a stun gun, while crying hysterically and saying what sounded like, Oh my god, it got Kieran! The chip could be seen pointing a forty five towards something. Kirk was near Angela, holding a shotgun in a ready position. Shots then rang out and the video ended. The time was now 19.30 hours, and those kids were running. of time. I made a quick call to Akemi and asked if she had seen the video. She was watching as we spoke and told me that she could no longer get a GPS fix on them. The co-pilot announced, 5 minutes. We went through the usual comms and weapons checks. About a mile away we could see somebody making a lasso with a tack light. As we flared to land, two men knelt in the clearing. When we settled, I told the pilot that we no longer had a fix on the kids. Showed him on the topo map the last known position And briefed him about the rock cliffs And Chief Barnes looked at the map and said He would make a pass over the area Before returning to the clearing He only had about 30 minutes of fuel to spare Good idea, I said We may need the air support I exited the hello to meet the park ranger Philip Wilson Ranger Marvin Wood asked What the hell are you snake eaters doing here? I thought this was a SAR mission I responded, good help, well, that's hard to find. We all proceeded to introduce ourselves. Well, I'm Fred Wilson, but please call me Flip. And this is my pal, Gunny Wood, said Wilson. A brief flip and Gunny on the latest videos described the rocky area the kids were in. He immediately said, Ah, oh, shit, that is the worst fucking place they could possibly be. And the cell reception there well, that's just awful. I asked Tammy to show him the last video, but he hung his head and teared up. Part 5 Young Skulls Full of Mush Let's get straight into that. I asked Flip how long it would take us to get to the rock cliffs from here. Well, I had seven, maybe eight miles depending on where exactly they are in there. Well, I'm hoping Chip will try to find high ground where. They can get a signal or maybe defend themselves. I've been calling and texting Chip every five minutes, but there's no answer. If we double time, we can get to the general area in about 30 or 40 minutes. Problem is, once we get back in there, you got to slow down and get your head on a swivel. Something might jump you. Flip told us that Kieran was overweight and had to use an inhaler. He and Brad King played video games all the time and almost never got outside. At least Chip, Angie and Kirk like to hike and camp but none of them had any damn business out here that hard-headed boy of mine thinks he's indiana jones and he absolutely loved my little brother Robbie. ah uh, he was 10 years younger than me and he and chip hunted and fished together chip is adventurous just like him but that gal angie <laughs> she's a tomboy she and chip they're inseparable That McDonald girl told me would tried to get her to stay home on this trip But she'd refuse and She sure as stubborn I told him it runs in the family And explained that Angela was related to my wife Ah, Thanks again Flip said and Chuck shot at azimuth with his compass and said Let's move out Flip responded Sergeant, Gunny, I know this area Best if we lead Chuck nodded it turned out that Gunny was an old recon marine and served in the first Gulf War. Flip was an ordnance specialist with a marine expeditionary force. We headed northwest towards the Rockcliffs. Yarl, the group that handled that shit over in Oak Ridge, said Gunny. Well, we participated. Chuck responded. And Gunny said, If just half of what I heard is true, I don't want your damn jobs. Uh, so, Gunny, I asked. As a park ranger in the LBL, just what have you seen? If you mean, do I know that Sasquatch and upright walking wolves exist? Yes, Gunny said, but I haven't killed any. I've been on hunts and seen a seven and half foot tall dead wolf. That ugly bastard is why I carry an AR-12 with three magnum slugs and a 454 castle. The state closed the section of the park where these monsters live. And we found the kids' campsite, taught all to hell about 1600 today. Looks like they plan on coming back to it. But somehow they sneaked past us and into the closed section. Flip spoke up again and said, I hope you folks don't report me to the fairs for this full auto AR ten or with a military IR scope. <laughs> you're safe, I said. Sergeant Martin, time to deploy that drone, said Chuck. Well, it was twenty two ten hours when it kimmy called. She'd been able to pick up one last body video from Chip. Called Chuck, Gunny and Flip over. We watched grainy images on a phone of Chip, Angela and Kirk on top of some rocks. Angela was filming as Chip and Kirk fired random shots. And suddenly, Angela screamed, Brad! Brad! And then there were multiple shots fired and the video ended. And the timestamp stamp on the video was 9.42pm. Kimmy was unable to get a GPS fix but noted that it was what appeared to be a red blinking light of a cell tower. Distance. She was reviewing maps to locate it as we spoke, and Flip started dialing his son. After several rings, Angie picked up and whispered, "Hello, oh my God, Mr. Wilson, we're uh, we're laying between some rocks with limbs and bushes over us." And she started crying and said that a huge werewolf-looking creature had grabbed Brad from behind while he was holding the spotlight. Then a shh was heard and a call. Ended. I was already on the phone with Akimi asking her to get a fix on his signal. Stand by, she said. And Tammy called out, Heat sources on IR. It looked like we were about to get a break until she said, Some of these, they ain't people. Part 6 Dire Straits. Let's get straight into that. Kimi sent me the kids' coordinates. They were about three miles away. And Tommy says, Found a path, Major. Flip looked at the map on the tablet and shook his head. That's a potential death trap, he said. Goes through the middle, a thick overgrowth surrounded by high rocky embankments. And Chuck said, Sergeant Martin, if we make sure you don't fall, can you hover that thing right over us and be our eyes? You bet, she said. radio chief Barnes and the Huey Road Runner, this is Coyote. Road Runner, go ahead, Coyote. Stand by for coordinates. Enemy contact imminent. Road Runner, Roger. Gunny's cell rings. Attention, troops. The state chopper with a SAR team is also en route. ETA twenty minutes. Flip says, "Yes." The sheriff came through. Ah, let's move out," Chuck said. We approached the thick trees, intermingled with rocks. We penetrated the canopy and pushed on forward. Inspect Dobson had a strong grip on Tammy's backpack with one hand and his rifle pointed outwards with the other. There are eyes on us, Chuck said. I felt it also. Gunny and Chuck were in the lead followed by Flip. I had a bad feeling about this and whispered to Sergeant Foster in front of me to scan right. And I was scanned left and to the rear. Heat signatures all around us said Tammy. PFC Goodson was in front of Sergeant Foster and whispered, Movement, left, ten o'clock. It was then something told me to look behind me. I wheeled around with my rifle to see an eight-foot-plus Sasquatch standing about thirty feet from me and he remained motionless. Squad, halt, I said calmly. It looked as if this Sasquatch and I were in a stare down. I lowered my rifle and Chuck came up beside me put his right hand over his heart and then held out his right arm with his palm facing out towards the Sasquatch as he rubbed a pendant around his neck. He said in a calm but elevated voice, Why, we mean you no harm. We only want to get our people and leave. And the Sasquatch made a low, guttural sound and looked up ahead in a direction that we were headed. It then turned and disappeared into the trees. Oh, he'd his leaving, said Tammy. Oh, that was interesting. I said And Chuck said Well it's Sasquatch They don't like the longer Dog la la Or long dog with knife teeth I think that look in the direction ahead of us was a cue to keep moving Tammy said Stand by I need to change batteries She quickly brought the drone down And before she could open the battery compartment To insert fresh batteries And get it airborne again Gunshots were heard And lots of them We have a decision to make said Chuck I don't like to ever split up a team but some of us need to move ahead and fast Sergeant Foster you and Speck Dowson stay behind with Sergeant Martin and protect our eyes Whoa, they replied and we moved out at a fast pace Chuck was now in the lead followed by Flip, Gunny, PFC Goodson and me the comms crackled with Coyote this is Roll Runner." believe muscle flash is spotted seven miles at a nine o'clock. Roger. Bring the heat. I said. Roadrunner Roger. ETA five minutes. At that instant, Tammy came over to comms with. Coyote actual. Multiple fast moving heat signatures. Coming your way. We could still hear sporadic gunfire less than a mile ahead. Squad hold. Chuck shouted. Flip wanted to keep moving, but Gunny grunted. They will tear you to pieces, said Gunny. Chuck said, Form a skirmish line and move forward deliberately. Chuck, PFC Goodson, and I pulled out our MVGs, and that was when I started peppering the trees above us in full auto. The dog man howled, landed not ten feet in front of me. Aim for the mouth, Chuck shouted. The gunfire was deafening, reverberating between the rocks. Goodson shouted, Grenade! and tossed an incendiary out in front of him, and quickly, up his MVGs. The area lit up and he, Gunny, and Flip opened up on several of those ugly fuckers. And I shouted, Chuck, six o'clock! We fired on several wolves approaching fast. We were about to be overrun when a spotlight shined from overhead and the sound of two M60s raining down still was heard. The comms crackled with co-pilot Skip Chester saying, These bastards are out of scattering. The kids are on a huge piece of granite about 300 yards at one o'clock. And Gunny helped flip to his feet after one wolf had slammed into him. Part 7 Steel and Granite Let's get straight into that. We were about to double-time it when Tammy's voice was heard over the comms, saying, Listen up, squad. We're coming up on your six. The human moved up, to provide cover for the kids. We made it to a small clearing with down trees about 50 yards from a base of a rock cliff where the Huey was circling. Coyote, this don't look good. These SOBs have the kids encircled. Ah, roger, said Chuck. Dobson, give me your MVGs. You and Tammy get on top of the rocks at our 2 o'clock and call out our targets. I keep my mic and said. Roadrunner, this is Coyote. How's your fuel? "'About fifteen minutes before we can't get home, but we ain't leaving you.' Ah, "'Roger that,' I said. "'How about the state chopper, Gunny?' He shook his head and said, Fifteen minutes. They went the wrong way. Ah, "'This may be over in five minutes,' said Chuck. Chuck keyed the mic and said, "'Coyote Actual to Roadrunner and Overwatch. "'We're going to divide the team and flank the Rock Cliff.' Chuck handed Gunny the MVGs, and then took him and Flip and went left. I went right with Foster and Goodson. It had been a while since we heard any gunfire from up top. Either they were out of ammo or conserving what ammo they had left. And Tammy called out, Contact! Multiple contacts! Left flank! Chuck and company opened up and the Huey moved towards them. And Tammy said, Right flank! Pancake! And we went down. Dobson took out two wolves 20 yards ahead of us using his SOCOM and night scope. And Tammy called out again. Right flank! Four targets! Three o'clock! We whirled right and opened fire, taking out three ducks. But one got through and ran right over Foster, slashing at him. Goodson put a four fifty-eight round in its back, knocking it down. And I sprayed a burst of .308 down its throat. And Foster had some nasty cuts and the breath knocked out of him. We quickly wrapped a field dressing around his arm and moved up into the rocks. A field of boulders lay ahead of us. It looked like a great place for an ambush. A kid had saying, Sergeant Martin, anything behind these boulders? And before she could respond, Dobson let out a round and we heard a howl about 50 feet ahead of us. That shot was followed by another, and he wounded a dogman, and it was howling in agony. I told Foster and Jackson to freeze, remembering that Chuck had said they got get confused for a second, but one starts howling in pain. Sure enough, two of them moved forwards towards the wounded one, and I shouted, Fire! I don't know if we got them, or if it was Dobson, but they were dead. The dog gunners on the Huey were raining down some serious hurt on the left side of the hill. You could hear howls of pain, and then silence. Coyote, this is overwatch. A thing I see the kids, but there's several targets that are approaching them. The Huey rolled in right on top of the cliff, With a spotlight on, a voice came over a loudspeaker saying, Stay put and stay down, kids. Advance, shouted Chuck over the comms. The dog gunners opened up again. Tammy keyed up and said, All coyotes, multiple targets scattering downhill. Dobson Socom opened up and down the hill came what looked like the entire pack. At this point, I didn't know what was worse. The dogman... While the rounds ricocheting off all of these rocks. We mowed a few of them down, but they kept coming, and I screamed out, "Brace!" and they ran right over us, but kept on going. We shot a few more, and Dobson got a couple more also, but they kept running. And Tommy called out, "Hilltop clear! I see the kids moving." And Chuck called out, "Team, converge on the hilltop." We found a very bruised and cut-up Angela Vasquez, Chip Wilson and Kirk Brackett. Flip, Angie and Chip were hugging each other and crying. And Roadrunner called out, Aircraft approaching, five miles. And I responded, What did y'all do to these wolves to make them run away? And doggone Hal Jackson replied, i seen this big grey sunbitch standing back there with his chest out and crowing like a big rooster. I filled that big mouth full of lead. I went down and the rest hard ass. ass. Chuck responded with, Damn, you killed the alpha. And Chief Barnes followed with, Roadrunner, low on fuel. We're out of here. And Chuck and I pulled curb brackets to the side to get the grisly details. Part 8 A Sad Report Let's Get straight into that. Kirk Brackett broke down and cried as he told us what had transpired. And while they were making a run for the rocks, Kieran couldn't keep up. He and Chip tried to shoot the dogs that were chasing them, but one was right behind Kieran and they couldn't fire. It grabbed him and drug him off. They had no time to go after him because more were coming. And as they were trying to climb onto the rocky embankment, Brad was illuminating the dogs and actually blinding some of them, just as they were about to crawl into the hiding place. Kirk then broke down to his knees. The big one jumped about 25-30 feet from the trees and slashed Brad taking his head clean off. He said he shot it, but there was nothing they could do but hide because they were low on ammo. Flip brought Angie and Chip over and he said, Damn it, kids. Why did y'all come to this spot? And Chip broke down and said, Dad, we tried to run back the way we came towards the clearing, but they cut us off and we had to come here. Yeah, they were hurting you, said Chuck. They wanted you here. On the sound of an approaching helicopter got everybody's attention as the state game of fish chopper turned on his spotlight. Gully was on the phone with somebody trying to explain the situation. A flip was soaked with blood when a wolf had slashed his chest. arm. Oh. I told him to sit down until medical help arrived. And Tammy and Speck Dobson called out from just below us. The stage chopper turned on his spotlight as we saw the carnage around us. Brad's headless body lay not 60 feet from us. And there were dead dogmen scattered about. And Chuck told Foster and Goodson to tag the Alpha so it could be studied. Any time an Alpha was taken, Ray Drake's group wanted it for study. The flip was going pale and would it be long until he went into shock. I asked Gunny if there was any way the chopper could medevac him. The six men fast roped out of the chopper and it hovered over the rocks where the kids were hiding just long enough to load them and flip for a trip to the hospital. A caller came in to tell her that Angela was safe and on the way to a hospital for exam but two of the kids didn't make it. Well, she started crying and wanted to know if I was okay and I told her we were all right. Chuck had arranged a Black Hawk to come and pick us up in about two hours. Stupid fucking kids, she screamed. I know, I know. Just call Naomi and tell her that it's all okay. Everything's calm now. I love you, she said. am. Yeah, me too. Gotta go. And I told Chuck that this had to be the fastest, shortest and most heartbreaking mission that I'd ever been on. Same here, he replied. Let's get everybody together. Oh, by the way, what was that pendant you were robbing? I asked. Oh, this? That's oh, a dog man tooth. The Cree Indians gave my grandfather. On a county four was Sergeant Martin, Inspector Dobson. Where's Dobson and Sergeant Martin? Chuck said. Well, they're sitting over there on a rock chit-chatting and looking at the stars, said Foster. Damn, one mission and Dobson is already in love. We all laughed and started making wolf whistles. Dobson proclaimed, Are you kidding me? This fine lady? She saved my ass. Dobson said while he was sniping the wolves around us, Sergeant Martin noticed a heat signature sneaking up on their six. She whirled around one-handed with that AR and went all Rambo on that puppy. Well, come join us, said Chuck. Sergeant Martin did an excellent job. You weren't that drone? Why well, he saved that bacon, I said. What do you think, guys? Can we keep her? are they replied. And Gunny walked up to us and said, You fucking snake eaters can keep this job. And we laughed, and Chuck told him we could use a man like him. Not no, but hell no, he said. I'm less than a year from retirement. Would you believe somebody woke up the governor? And he in turn woke up the general at the National Garden, there will be more soldiers and game wardens here than you can stir with a stick. And you bastards are going to have me explaining why I was here, and writing reports for a goddamn month. Ah, sempefe, we said, and we all had a well-deserved laugh. Epilogue With wisdom comes great suffering. Wow, 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 wow. Certainly another one. Wow. Chest pounding, short but absolutely vicious story there. From our incredible friend, Rico. A big happy new year to each and every one of you. A delayed and belated happy new year nonetheless. But I hope you guys had a fantastic start and are already getting stuck in. Big thank you, Rico, for your incredible penmanship and dedication to the channel boy oh boy have we got quite a lot to get through. As ever, I hope you enjoyed my rendition. And thank you so much. Well, guys and girls, you know the drill. As ever, please do let us know what you thought down below in the comments box. Please do like and share. It really does help build the channel and our community further. Why not hashtag Team Fear and DMT's encrypted crew. If you're an aspiring writer or would just like to have a crack at things, myself, then please do get in touch with me at the contact email, which is as on screen. Contact the dead one at gmail.com I really look forward to hearing from you. Bit of a rocky start to the year guys and girls, but do not fear, plenty of store for you, lots of exclusives and doubling up on content. As ever, a huge thank you to the Cryptic crew for their dedication and support, and of course to all of you for your likes, comments and shares really does mean the world to us and makes such a huge difference. i ever a guy's much love and respect, but above all, remember, be safe, not sorry.